Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, your natural dog with Angela Ardolino and my guest today is Bronwyn Farley. She is a certified holistic raw pet nutritionist and she is known as Dulcie's Legacy where she has consultations for you to help you through any of your feeding issues along with some incredible products that she makes. But today we're going to talk about some of those pet food myths that are out there, what we can and can't feed our dogs, what it means if it's toxic or can they overdose on it? Is it dangerous? So we're going to talk about some of those. So stay tuned. I'm going to have you talk about pet food myths. You know, the shit that's out there that we kind of all believe and it's like, no, no, don't do it. And I love it because, of course, I follow you on social media and you make the most fantastic infographics that always get me going. So I was like, let's talk about these things. Also, we're going to talk about kind of what we have in common about our dogs, who basically are the reason why we do what we do and what you do. But let's talk about them. Let's talk about, I want to talk about peanut butter because peanut butter was one of those things where, like so many people are afraid to buy a CBD product, a full spectrum hemp extract, like in a tincture, like they're afraid of it. So, you know, I know that treats and putting in an edible is not necessarily the best way to get a full spectrum in a dog, but sometimes that's the only way we call it a gateway drug, a way to get people to try CBD in a treat or a lickable so that they can see the results. And then we go, if you like that, you're not only going to save money, but it's a lot more potent if you just put the tincture right in their mouth. So Right, exactly. So that's why we're always trying to find a way for them to eat it or lick it. And so I reached out to you about peanut butter and you're like, oh no, not peanut butter. Of course, I liked peanut butter because peanut butter also contains PEA uh, or P. So I was like, ooh, that will be like a double whammy. We'll put CBD in it. Well, that'll be great. And you're like, no, no, no. And so Tell us, why should we not be giving our dogs peanut butter? So we, we really want to kind of steer away from the majority of legumes and lentils. And peanut butter is, is, belongs to that family. So a peanut, we have to worry about the glyphosate runoff <sighs> that contaminates it. We have to worry about the way that it's harvested and the myotoxins that go onto it. and there's so much sugar too that, that goes into it, whether you're making your own or, or not, it's still going to be a sugar content. A lot of them that, you know, buy store-bought, that's one issue that we have um, because not everybody can sit there and go and make their own. I mean, you could, but at the same time, a lot of people don't, it's just easier plug and play to, to go and buy it from the grocery store. And you see a lot of dog treats on the market that have peanut butter. And it's just one of those that like rice, 
please don't do that. (laughs) And the biggest problem with peanuts is the aflatoxins, right? That most of them are, you know, even if it's an organic, you know, grown organically, the way they are stored, they're very prone to aflatoxins, right? Just like you know, rice or corn or some of these others that no matter how you store them, they're most likely going to develop those. Going to have mold and everything else on them just because of the type of of product it is, because they are legumes, because they are lentils, just like we we deal with, you know, in kibble, that it's stored in bags on shelves for, you know, God knows how long. So I completely understood this when you said this to me, because I was like, well, it's one of the reasons why I have a mushroom tincture instead of a mushroom powder is that I knew or any of these oils, the fish oils or any of these things that the moment that we open them, they start going bad. They start to oxidize. They start losing their potency. They start to degrade. And sometimes they start growing these uh, molds and toxins on them, right? I don't think mushroom powder does and is prone to it, but some of these other things where, you know, anything that you open and leave open for a little while is going to start to go bad. And and that's the thing. And I just had this conversation yesterday, in fact, about, you know, salmon oils or fish oils, feed the fish, feed fish in, in its most natural form. Okay, you're still going to get the same benefits of it just without it being bottled up. You have no clue if it was refrigerated before it got to you. You have no clue how it was made, if it was made correctly. Is it pure? Because they're not testing it. it. That's what I was going to say. Is it pure? What else have they put into it? It's just so much easier. And no, you know, it's not logical for me to think that everybody has farm to table access. but you can still pick up fish and things like that from your local supermarkets. A little goes a long way. I'm, I'm a complete minimalist when it comes to what goes into a normal, healthy dog's bowl. Keep it simple. Yeah, keep it simple. Simple is so much more. We, we don't have to have 100 different powders in there to make a healthy diet for a dog or cat. So peanut butter, just to that we can be clear on peanut butter, not to get off on fish oils, but peanut butter, even if you're buying an organic with no sugar, you know, it's the best, it's from the best store, it's expensive, you still run the the risk of it having those dangerous toxins in it. Correct. Absolutely. So skip it all together. Yeah, just skip it all together. There's, there's so many better alternatives that you have to peanut butter. Just I agree. I can think of lots of things that my dog would prefer. Pumpkin, um, pumpkin. Squash, you know, that there's tons of them that you could do that are not peanut butter and you don't have to worry about those possible issues. So can I squish up pumpkin and put full spectrum hemp extract in it? I would be okay with that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about chicken and rice. Oh, <sighs> That was another one. I remember texting you because I saw, again, someone recommending it on one of the groups. Um, And then you and I got on the conversation. What is the truth about chicken and rice? Why is this a staple? I absolutely love, because when you told me where it originated from, it makes sense. It's kind of like, you know, when we were all in, in, in grade school, 
and they had us tell someone a secret and then it had to that go That game is down. called Telephone. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like that. And by the time it gets down here to number 10, the whole concept of it has completely and totally changed. So, you know, I, I understand where it started that we were supposed to boil the chicken and the rice and water and give that broth to the animal. Not the rice, not the chicken, but just the, the the broth that it was made in. So this dates back to Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine. And then we also took it a, a further that said even the rice and the chicken that they were using yes. is nothing like the rice and chicken that we have nowadays. No, absolutely not. And you've got so many dogs that are throwing sensitivities and allergies to chicken but nobody's paying attention to that. Nobody's paying attention. I mean, the majority of our community, yes, we, we know what warming and cooling is. We know what our dog's sensitivities are and what they're not. But a lot of times when I will get a new person in, they won't know what a warming and cooling is, or they won't know what you know a sensitivity versus an allergy is. And so just to for a, a vet to decide, oh, just give chicken and rice and you'll be fine. That is so inflammatory and so hot on the system to a dog that is already having and struggling and having issues that that's it's absurd. I know it is absurd because, again, there are better things to feed that dog. There's so many different the chicken things. and rice. Right. Yes. And what are some of those things? Pumpkin. So (laughs) pumpkin, um, doing, you know, a light fast, doing bone broth itself. I love a fast. A fast can fix everything. First of all, your dog is probably fasting anyway, and you're trying to force them to eat something when they don't want to, and they're aware that they're supposed to let their gut heal, right? Absolutely. Some of my favorites, you know, slippery elm, marshmallow root, raspberry leaf, that you have multiple different options for what you can do for diarrhea or an upset stomach. And chicken and rice is definitely not the first one to go to. (laughs) And neither is an antibiotic. No, neither is an antibiotic. You have so many different options. And, and, you know, that's one of the main things that I try to get across. And there are groups that I can talk about it in. And then there are groups that there's just absolutely no point to it because you'll get a lot of angry messages for it. But, you know, the the whole chicken and rice, it's, it's literally absorbing fluids in the intestinal tract and people jump around and, and they always laugh at my statement. I tell people that methamphetamine works too, but that doesn't mean we should all run out and take it. Rice, yes, it works, but is it doing more damage than good? Right. That That's where we run into the issue. You have better alternatives like the pumpkin, like doing slippery elm, fasting, bone broth, giving a bland diet. You know, a lot of times instead of the chicken, I'll run turkey as a bland protein that works very well. You have so many different options why it is. And it just kills me again, going back to the telephone game. It starts here. And then by number 10, it's completely and totally metamorphosized and changed into this huge beast of this is exactly what you're supposed to do. And it works. But is it what we should be doing? Nobody stops to ask. We can do it. It's not toxic. But should we? Right. And I think people need to understand the difference between toxicity, overdose, and it killing your pet. 
You can literally, anything in large amounts can have a toxic effect. Doesn't mean it's going to kill them. An overdose means you could get too much of something, but it doesn't mean that there's what they call an LD50, meaning an overdose in amount that is going to kill a dog. So Absolutely. like cannabis, there is no LD50. It is impossible to kill a dog by giving them too much cannabis. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about a cannabis edible that has other ingredients in it or could be using an isolate of one of the cannabinoids. That is not a pure product. So it's kind of like the shit you find on the Internet. Garlic. Let's talk about garlic. I mean, everywhere you can see that garlic is going to kill, you know, your dog if you give it to them. Lavender essential oil, THC, all of these things. You will find reputable sources saying that these items are toxic and will kill your dog. And that is simply not true either. Everything in moderation. Garlic is one of my favorite things to give. Me too. You know, antibacterial, antifungal, anti-carcinogenic. Please hate it. Yeah. Ticks hate it. It's everything in moderation. And so I'm guessing you, clearly, you know the story of how the, the garlic became toxic, correct? No. Okay. So a doctor decided to give a group of dogs 100 and I want to say 75 garlic cloves in a week. And no dogs died, but their blood platelets changed. And he said, oh, they're t- it's toxic. Can't do it anymore. <sighs> If you and I ate 175 cloves, I don't know about you, but I'm going to get very sick. (laughs) That and I'm going to have to not be around anybody because I don't know when you have too much, the uh, gas that comes out is very, (laughs) you know, the everything in moderation, too much oxygen, too much, you know, water. Moderation is always key with anything that you use. Start slow. You always start slow when introducing something new. And you build from there. It, it's it's basic common sense. And make sure that it's pure, that if it is a garlic, that it is an organic garlic, that you're giving them small amounts or whatever it is that's recommended for whatever you're using it for. And that it's not a, you know, the pre-chopped up garlic or a ga- garlic powder that might have other things in it. or So you everything you want to make sure is pure and natural And the whole plant or the whole food source. Yes. When we start taking out certain things or messing with it or over-processing food or plants, it always comes out not so well for us. Yeah. Farm to table. Always. and, And I tell my clients that farm to table. Think farm to table. We don't want the, the, the dried up powdered garlic that comes in, in a shaker. You, You don't want it coming in a jar. Just, all natural, you know, clean garlic. There's one that I get from Spain. That that's the ones that I find a lot, and it and it's perfect. Awesome. So we're gonna take a short break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about your baby dog, Dulcie, that started this, all of this, and his journey and what you were able to do yourself, how you became empowered, why you became a nutritionist in the first place. When we come back, we'll talk about that. If you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, 
Research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at cbddoghealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health. Healing naturally. All right, we are back with Bronwyn Farley, and we're going to talk about what got you started on this journey and we're going to try not to cry because I feel like every time we start talking about our baby dogs that we start crying. But I just loved how, you know, you learned so much when you were put in a position where, you know, your dog's health was in danger. And I had no idea. I just read the whole story again. I know about the osteosarcoma, but I didn't know about the, you know, the seizure thing. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. And I can't imagine. But we're probably connected soul sisters because you're also a big fan of cannabis medicine and now dabbling in mushroom medicine. But tell me about your journey with Dulce and how you discovered the power of cannabis and how it could help. So it's funny. So yeah, his anniversary was just the other week. It was March 31st. So yeah, we were... We had just moved down to the Keys and Dulce started having these seizures and he was gasping for air. And I, I, I did Dr. Google um, at that point and I was actually able to narrow it down to exactly what it was. And it's a condition called LARPAR. And what the larynx is doing is it's seizing up. So there's a little valve back here in all of our throats. It shuts when we drink water. It opens up for us to breathe. So what his was doing is it was seizing shut, like, like, you know, just slamming a door closed. And when they're like that, they can't breathe. And so basically it's a seizure. And he would just lay in my arms gasping for air. He would urinate on himself, defecate. And it would be only when he got excited if we, you know, went, if he started panting too much or anything like that, if he started barking. Now, you have to understand this is a dog that would go six miles a day with me and then that was done, you know, no more of that. And and at that time, he was 12 years old. So when I took him into the vet's office to get the, the actual diagnosis, we had two options. We could keep him calm. We could remove all the inflammatories out of his body by putting him on a raw diet, which I had already begun and decided before the vet's office that that's what we were going to do, enter cannabis. (laughs) And I started giving him cannabis to keep him calm, but I wanted a vet's opinion on what else that we could do for this. And the only other thing to do would have been a $6,000 surgery. And he wouldn't have been able to swim again because a lot of dogs that have this surgery, they have a, a bad habit of aspirating because, again, when you're drinking water, if you're swimming, if you're doing anything like that, that valve, the surgery, what they do is they go in and they tie it back. It's called a tie back surgery. Whoa. So it stays open all of the time. Wow. And I just, at the age of 12, that's not something I wanted to do for him. You know, I wanted to keep him as comfortable as possible. And it was ironic because we were going through five and six seizures a week. I transitioned him over to a full PMR raw diet. What's PMR stand for? PMR is whole prey. That means that that we Frankenstein together a, a diet that resembles an animal. So there's no veggies or anything like that. It's just a PMR diet. 
And after we did that, we had one seizure in six months. Awesome. And what were you feeding before? I was one of those, like Peter and, and Poppy and, and all of us. I did everything wrong that I wasn't supposed to do growing up with him. <laughs> but that's why I'm asking, because I want people not to think if they're coming across this episode that they don't think that we are no, we, superior. We all started we are all wrong. Right. <laughs> and then our babies got sick and we had changed everything and looked at how the heck did this happen? I'm buying the best food. No, we're not. We're buying yep. the best kibble. He was vaccinated. He got heartworm, flea and tick, pesticides. It's important that we don't call the medications. They're pesticides. Let's yep. call them what they are. Yep. I didn't buy one or two, but he was on three prescription kibbles. One for his sensitive stomach, which we know that nine times out of 10, if you switch them over to a fresh diet, whether it be raw or gently cooked, that issue goes away. I was buying a, um, and that was a prescription. My second one was a prescription for senior joints. And then the third one was, it was one of the most expensive ones I could find that had the most glucosamine chondroitin in it. So when you look at those recipes now, what do you think? So I actually did some research and I called them up. Um, as far as the, the levels of glucosamine, they're all figurative numbers. And who is it? Dasiquin is a lot in a lot. I want to say it's Dasiquin or Cosquin. One of those, they're in a lot of trouble because it's figurative numbers. There's no way to legitimately give an accurate dosage of what's in that bottle or what's in that bag. And when I called the Kimball company, they were like, you know, these are the numbers that we think they are. What? What? <laughs> And so, you know, yeah, all of those kibbles went away and, and we went to, you know, a fresh diet and, and that's how that all began. My vet, she was like, well, what are you doing for inflammation and, and to keep them, you know, keep them calm. And I was like, I'm giving him THC. Did she freak <laughs> because, out? No, she actually didn't. She waited until the vet tech left and she goes, how are you giving it to him? Awesome. <laughs> Give me your and number. I'll train her. She's she's in Key Largo. <gasps> cool. Yeah. You'll have to share her contact so I can reach out to her. That's really cool because that's the way it should be. I'm amazed when pet parents tell me over and over again that they go back and the doctor's like, oh, wow, he's still here. Wow. The tumor's going down. Yeah. Wait, what, what did you do? And they go, oh, I'm giving him hemp. And they're like, cool. Keep doing that. Not how are you doing it? What is it? Any of that. So you got it down to one seizure just by changing the diet. And we didn't have that seizure until we were diagnosed with osteosarcoma and until we had to give some heavy medications. It was actually the, the third day before we let him go. And it was because the, the heavy medication load that we had to have him on. So you're saying that he didn't have, he only had one? He only had one in the six months that he was diagnosed, wow. and it was a result of the um, traditional medications. Wow. Incredible. So nobody can tell you. It's funny because I the newest thing that I get told is that THC triggers seizures, and we're like, 
I'm sure a large amount of THC could do that. But on a regular basis, I'm saying, no, 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 no. You want that little bit of THC, especially in a full spectrum hemp extract, so that it has that entourage effect and will absolutely stop that seizure. You just have to figure out what your dog's dose was. What was your dog's dose? So we actually, I used, I was probably doing it all wrong. I was so uneducated and I didn't have anybody to talk to because this was not a thing that we were even allowed to talk about. Now you do. Now I do. But no, I used just the flour. I would put flour inside of a piece of cheese and it was such a very small amount that it it was, you know, completely, it was basically to to keep him calm and, and that's it. And so I would put it in a piece of cheese or, you know, something that I knew that I could get him to eat. And that's how we did it. And it worked. And it worked. Awesome. So you get a lot of medicinal properties from raw flour. You just, when you extract those medicinal properties, you get all of them. Exactly. So now we know, but I mean, what a good instinct to take something that's all natural and you know it doesn't have anything on it and all that. And I'm assuming you got it from somewhere that tests it so that you know that you were getting a pure product? Yes, we were doing from a medicinal because by at this time that we had just moved to New Jersey. And so they were allowing those places there. Kratom was something else that I used. And so, and a lot of people don't know Kratom or Kratom. Right. Uh, Kratom was something else that I used. I wanted something to help keep his pain down. I wanted something to help keep the inflammation down. And those of you listening, kratom, maca, all of these other plants that are known to have anti-inflammatory or help with pain are all plants that interact with the endocannabinoid system. They all have a compound in them or something that either stimulates the CB1 and CB2 receptors or it is actually binding or it actually shares some of the same compounds or uh, terpenes as these plants that cannabis does. So you tell me about any herb or plant and I'll be able to tell you why that has a medicinal property because it's interacting with this incredible system. So I love discovering all of these other plants and how they work and how they interact with the endocannabinoid system. But I also like to remind people that it's called the endocannabinoid system for reasons, not the endotumeric or, you know, the endocraptum uh, system. And that's because cannabis has the most compounds and properties that interact with these receptors in our body. And, and that was the thing is, you know, again, at that point, I didn't know anything about homeopaths. I didn't know, you know, I knew what holistic was. I knew what herbalism was, but I didn't know how to apply it to our animals. And then that horrible day that he got diagnosed with osteosarcoma, I didn't want to bury my face in a phone. I didn't know that there were Facebook groups. I didn't know any, you know, I just wanted to spend as much time with him as possible. And at this point, you know, he was coming up on 15. The first thing out of, you know, my mouth when we found out, it was like, if we amputate, she said, we've already taken x-rays that he's already got three spots on his lungs. It's already metastasized. And I took that being uneducated again as, okay, we're going to keep him as comfortable as possible. And she asked me, you know, what can I do for you? Because Dulcie was, he was a service, he was a pediatric service canine. And so she asked what she could do for me. And I said, I want to walk into the house and see that big, goofy, happy smile. 
And that's what I got. I was able to, you know, and she was, she was one of the vets that she was okay with me giving Kratom. She was okay with me giving THC. And so paired with that, with, you know, some other anti-inflammatories just to keep him comfortable, she gave that to me. And that was the best gift I think I've ever received in my life was walking back into the house. And yes, we were still limping and in that telltale limp that, that we all see with our osteo dogs. Yep. Just seeing that big, happy, goofy smile and him playing with his toys again. And so it was short lived, but I still got, you know, those last moments with him. Yeah. Same with Nina. Like they don't know they have cancer. You know, they're not they're not, you know, sitting up at night thinking about, you know, that they're going to die and that they have this disease. So Nina, up until the last two weeks of her life, I never saw her suffer. I saw her running around chasing bunnies. She tore her ACL chasing bunnies, you know, doing totally eating everything normal, happy, participating. So it was a beautiful thing to see. And I got to watch that for two years while she had her leg and a tumor growing on her leg. And I mean, people would freak out. I would take her out and people would be like, what's what's wrong with her leg? There's a tumor on her leg. Should you have that thing amputated? And it was my opportunity to say, no, not, not no, necessarily. Not yet. It's not spreading. No. I'm keeping it from spreading. And that's what was so incredible is to be able to look at her x-rays at two years of her being having it and still seeing no spread. And that's what these amazing plants do. And then a diet, the right diet, you're not feeding that cancer. You're giving it not an opportunity for it to grow, for it to do anything. And that's the, and that's the thing. And, and, and I will tell anybody this, and I'm such a firm believer in this, and I'll tell you a story here in a moment. You know, once we remove those inflammatories, the first thing that you have to do, if you have a dog or a cat that's diagnosed with cancer or, or any other life-threatening, you know, debilitating diseases, switch them over to a fresh food. The amount of change, whether you get a month out of it, whether you get six months, or if you get three years with them, it will make a huge difference to your life. And it will make a huge difference to theirs. Absolutely. It's a lot like us. Yeah. <laughs> you we know, hit, why we hit a certain age and all of a sudden we're like, wow, I can't eat that anymore. Wow. That's really messing with me. And hopefully we pay attention to those things and it doesn't turn into a disease. But that's what I think people don't understand. Our dogs are literally becoming senior citizens and can no longer tolerate whatever it is. And sometimes on like what I have found with a lot of my medium and small dogs that were on raw, I now have to give them a gently cooked diet because they have changed. Yes, they, they things change and that's OK. It's OK for us to, you know, glaze your peak holistics is one of my favorites to do my the, the uh, wellness life scan. Mm -hmm. That way I can pair a food elimination with it. That way we can go through and see what we're throwing an allergy to versus what we're going to throw a sensitivity to. And so and then we can come back and fine tune everything. That way we're not guessing. Going through that and then making sure that you're, again, going back to just removing the high histamines, things like that, things that you don't, that they, their body specifically doesn't need. What one cancer diet specifically does for one dog isn't going to necessarily work for this dog. It has to be individualized. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time. 
You did it. I did it. We made it. Tell our listeners if they want, because you do do consultations. You are a certified nutrition, pet nutritionist. So cancer is one of your gigs. But if people want to do consultations, you also make incredible bone broths and some cookies that my dogs love and herbs. And I know what you're working on in the future. And I can't wait to have you back to talk about that. But Tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you so that if they do want to get a consultation with you and find you. So you can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, and on uh, TikTok. So it's under Dulcie's Legacy. You can reach out to me on any of those platforms and ask for a consultation. You can go to the website at dulcieslegacy.com and you can set up a consultation there. If you have questions, please feel free to email me. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. My phone number is there. You can text me. I'm very open with my time. But yes, predominantly I have two groups of dogs that I work with. I do work with cats as well. For dogs, I they're either a large group of cancer dogs or it's a large group of severe skin allergies and, and a lot of things that are going on. I work with IBD, IBS, colitis, you know, pancreatitis, you name it. And I've had my fair share of DCM dogs, of heartworm positive dogs, which Luna is one of mine that was heartworm positive. I've done nine dogs now that were completely and totally naturally cleared of heartworms. It's so very possible. I do have bone broth and we do have cookie treats. They're all natural. They're single or limited ingredients, should I say. They are all done it with love in my kitchen. It's a micro batch, you know, limited stock. So I'm going to be, because we're now off, offered in Wagnation in Rhode Island. I love it. I'll be there the first weekend of the month, this month. Um, they're going to set up a table for us and awesome. we're going to do some education there too. But yeah, we've got our microgreens that are on our website at dulcieslegacy.com. There's bone broth and cookies. And every weekend of the month, everything will be restocked. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on today and sharing your knowledge. You are so appreciated. I I text you all the time and I appreciate you getting back to me all the time with my crazy questions. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You bet. Take care. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at mycodog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.